0: Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit Redeemer Central. Hey guys, hope you're well today. I'm just sitting in my study, looking out the window. It's a lovely sunny day today. And um, of course this week we've got some got some good news here in Northern Ireland in the sense that the uh, the lockdown restrictions are beginning to lift a little bit. So we can indeed meet in in groups, um, in outside spaces, which is definitely a lot better than um, the previous eight, nine weeks that we've been uh, living in, in complete lockdown, um, not being able to see one another. Um, Of course, for the time being, when it comes to church gatherings or large gatherings of any kind, I think it's going to be a number of months before we're back together in person in 101. And and so it asks and raises a lot of questions about church and how we do church and community and what is community and what does all that look like? And um, we'll be figuring that out as we go along. Um, It's been great to connect online on Sundays through Zoom great to see all of your faces and be able to um, worship and pray and break bread together online, which has been really wonderful. And um, our prayer gatherings on Wednesday nights as well have been really, really sweet times. Um, I wanted to start a podcast series today. Um, I don't know how many episodes there will be, but I thought it would be helpful for us to explore. Well, the title of the, the series is Being Human During Lockdown and so i wanted to give an introduction to what that is all about and i want to talk about emotions today as well because this is in a a time where we're experiencing many different emotions so um you consider the you can consider this episode an introduction to the series being human during lockdown and um and we'll uh, finish with a few reflections on on how we might deal with our emotions at this time in 2016 i i read an article in new york magazine by an author called andrew sullivan he um was a self-diagnosed recovering news junkie and the article he wrote um was i used to be a human being um that was the title of it and it really resonated with me the title resonated with me and the article did indeed as well in it sullivan argues that the culture of our instant constant and always on news cycle our information overload our digitally connected smartphone world, all of that stuff was having deeper and more profound effects on us as human beings than we'd first thought. And uh, his main evidence was anecdotal. In fact, it was biographical, it was his own story. 15 years in media and publishing had nearly killed him. The constant barrage of words and images and news all day every day began to just seep into all spaces of his life, affecting his relationships and ultimately his happiness. And he was numbed his feelings. And he felt broken as a human being. In his story, um, the article uh, goes on to, to spell it out. He, he goes on a journey of going completely offline called Turkey. He goes and visits a meditation center and has a digital detox retreat to try to rebuild himself. And he discovers in that process the value of solitude, the value of silence, the value of attentiveness, the practices of gratitude, the practice of simple and slow. One day on the retreat, he's taking a walk through the woods. It was a meditation walk. And his whole story just comes to this moment in the woods where he breaks down in tears. It catches him really unawares. But it seemed like the trees around him in the woods had triggered something in him. It triggered memories, in fact, of his younger self when he was a child. He would have spent time in the woodlands in Sussex in England. And he had these memories of of these simple times this joy that he experienced but along with the joy there was also pain it was pain that he realized he'd been carrying his whole life and that pain was of love that he'd never actually received from his mother Um, his mother had sadly suffered tremendously from mental ill health and so with the distraction and the noise all turned down in his life andrew sullivan has was reconnected with this deep part of himself that had been buried for years both the joys of it and the pains of it and working through it all he began to discover and rediscover his soul and get in touch with who he was get in touch with reality his story is an honest sad hopeful yet intriguing story that that really does beg the question the kind of world we live in what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be fully human We live with all these um, technology and instant, constant pace of life. I think it's one of the questions we've begun asking during lockdown. And indeed, during lockdown, technology has actually become one of the lifelines for us, isn't it? It's connected us and it's helped our lives be a bit easier. It's helped us be relatively productive. Um, It's helped make social distancing more tolerable. I think technology and social media has had its fair share of critique over the recent years but we can say that we're thankful for it right now except that in the sense that we still find that it can be exhausting screen time can be exhausting zoom calling can be exhausting and um like sullivan's story i deeply resonate with the learning that he experienced um he experienced he was experiencing this dis- disconnect between his outer life which was going at 100 miles per hour. And his inner life, which was just zero, where there was no nothing happening, he had in fact suppressed an awful lot of his inner world. And it really resonated with that. Ultimately, he discovered what it means to be whole and healthy. Um, and he got curious about his feelings and his emotions and what they could teach him. The year that that article was written was 2016, and that was the year that I've described for for me personally, it was one of the most disorientating years of my life. Um, but I would also describe it as a year that brought significant change. Change that was a good, a good, a good level of change, change. The kind of change that brings life. You see, growing up, um, I grew up in the church. I grew up in an evangelical church. I grew up in it was a fairly conservative church. Um, and it was a great, great upbringing. But I had learned along the way to compartmentalize so much of my life. I had learnt that you could separate it into neater categories. Certain boxes would go certain places. I wasn't consciously doing it, but when I look back now, that is what I was doing. There was a kind of dissonance. There was my outer world, my outer life, the activity of my life, the things I did, the things I said, even the things I believed and therefore said that I believed, that was on one side. And then on the other side, there was my inner life, inward, my emotions, my thoughts. My lived experiences and how I, how I had how they had made me feel. There was a landscape inside me that had been shaped. Um, that was my inner life, my inner world. The problem wasn't that I have an outer world and an inner world. We all have those aspects to our lives. It's it's who we are as human beings. But the problem came when there was a deep lack of interact of interaction. I wouldn't say interaction integration with the two, they were separated, they were apart, they were disconnected, they were sort of coexisting alongside one another, but at odds with one another, there was no cohesion, there was no integration, there was no sense of integrity or truth to it, and it applied to every area of my life, including my faith, you know, I was taught that faith in in God was believing and saying the right things about God, and doing the right things before God, and yet inside I was having emotions, And thoughts that were telling me something different. And didn't add up. And I thought, well that was life. That was normal. So I just sort of got on with the kind of dissonance I was living with. Up to 2016 when a large part of my outer world just seemed to collapse in on itself. There's so many things that I won't go into now. But things that I was building on the outside of my life. Um, Relationships ministry job related things that just came tumbling to the ground and they they left real pain real disappointment they they exposed a lot of pain and disappointment it was like a trigger um a bit like andrew sullivan walking in the woods um led to his revelation i had a revelation that really led me to a great sense of despair and feeling very lost and in the midst of it i realized my my faith wasn't really working for me either because I believed all the right things about God. I'd done all the right things and I was wondering, why, why is God re- you know, not not making this work out for me the way I want? And um, I realized that my faith was broken. I had a faulty view of, of what faith actually was. I felt broken, tired, angry, and burnt out. And in trying to reconcile all of that, trying to reconcile these dissonant parts of my life and reconcile my faith, I discovered a book that really helped me and eliminate some of the things along the way. It wasn't um, addressing necessarily theological questions as much as it was helping me understand what it looks like to live a whole life. A life of integrity, a life that's integrated, a life that's full and free, just like Jesus had spoken of. Um, that book was called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Schizero, who is a pastor, a church leader in New York. And he had a similar experience in his life that led him to read to write that book. And here's the one thing that the book taught me. The book taught me this idea that it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. You see, I had pushed my emotions down. I had dismissed my emotions. I had denied my emotions. And for those who know the Enneagram... I'm a type 4 and so my emotional life has the capacity, the power to run my life. I was overwhelmed and so I tried to contain it by denying it, by pushing it down instead of maybe getting curious about it. How did this look like in my life? Well, I was nice all of the time. I avoided conflict in the name of being a good Christian. I ignored my sadness and my anger. I, I saw fear. And anger and sadness as signs of weakness and even weak faith. There were areas of my life where there were not healthy boundaries. I allowed past experiences to limit my future. I lived with a lot of regrets. I failed to grieve properly. I um, had a prayer list, more accurately a list, yes, a prayer life that looked more like a prayer list. Um, a shopping list of requests made known to God, but there was maybe a lack of being with God or communing with God. I divided my life into these compartments of sacred and secular. I feel to see that everything matters and everything is spiritual. There was an element of judgment I had about other people. I was busy doing things for God rather than being with God. And this book by Peter Scherzer opened me up to this life-changing, liberating truth that our emotional inner lives really matter. And in fact, they matter to the point where to be a mature follower of Christ, to be a disciple... Means to have a healthy emotional life, means to attend to the inner life, the inner world. It seems so obvious to me now looking back, but at the time it was a liberating, brand new idea. And it led me to pursue what I is still a work in progress, but what I hope is a deeper, more integrated faith, a more honest faith. And ultimately, I think it's taught me to be human. I recently read a quote by a pastor called Rich Validus. He's a friend of Peter Skazero's, And he said this. He said evangelical Christianity. Is often characterized by a deep desire. To have Christianity pervade our culture. But not Christ permeating our being. And that really resonated with me. Because I was brought up in a kind of context. A culture which paid a lot of attention how we could affect change in our communities, in our society, how we could affect and shape culture, how we could tell people about Jesus. But it really didn't give a lot of attention to letting Christ himself permeate our very being as Christians. So we were all outer life and no inner life. And that's an extreme exaggeration. Of course, there would have been some mention of the importance of a quiet time importance of time with god prayer life but there weren't really any tools or understanding and they it seemed like the the energy around my church life growing up the energy that might even be in your story today the energy in particular streams of christianity can be obsessed with changing the world and pervading our culture even trying to shape our culture to live in certain ways, telling people how they should behave, what they should do. And yet we, the church, don't let Christ permeate our very being. I think that is true. I think it can lead to the kind of leader in church, the kind of Christian that attends church, that says one thing in public and can be a very different kind of person in private. But we want to be people that are whole. In fact, that's what it means to be human, fully human, is to, to be whole, is to be not a hypocrite, not wearing the mask, not having a split life, but to be open, honest, true, whole. And it's hard. You know, we want to be authentic, but we don't know how a lot of the time to really go about that. And... Um, yeah, for many years, i I was taught that I thought that mature spirituality was denying your emotions, and it was it felt like discipleship to arrive as a disciple was this kind of destination that I I could see, but was like I couldn't get to it. I had no way to get to it. Um, a friend recently told me we were talking a little bit about this, or I was listening listening to them share about um growing up in the church and discipleship being this destination that that was like an island and we we stood on the shore and we we had no way to get to the island but we were told to get there and in recent years it feels like to me anyway that books like this book ideas like this contemplative spirituality a focus on prayer um a focus on our our personalities and who we are as people, an understanding of our ourselves, and a deeper understanding of the story of Christ and the story of God in Scripture. All of this feel they feel more like tools. Um they feel more like a ship that has arrived on the shore to pick us up and help us get to that destination that for so many years we were told to get to but had no way to get there. I feel like more of that's happening today, and I'm really really grateful for it and indeed in my life that is where this book had a really really important role to play and it taught me that I had to pay attention to my emotions. Um, American theologian Stanley Harawas said this, the task of the church is to serve as the best example of what God can do with human community and if that is the case then we as the church you know, we've been very good at helping people navigate life on the outside and behaving in certain ways. Perhaps we've never given permission or haven't done well enough at helping people navigate and process their inner worlds, their emotions, their experiences. Peter Scalero talks about the outer life and the inner life like an iceberg. You know, with our outer lives, the activity of what we do in life, it's like the peak of an iceberg peaking above the surface of the water. It's very small, and yet the majority of our lives lurk beneath the surface much like an iceberg is mostly below the surface of the waterline and that's our inner lives that's our fears our emotions our dreams our desires our priorities our motivations it all sits beneath the waterline i believe at this moment in time as we live through a pandemic as we live through such a unique time in history this time is screaming at us this moment we're living in is calling us to pay attention and I think it's calling us to pay attention to all of life including the structures on the outer world and how we organize society and church and, and our lives but it's it's calling us I believe firstly to pay attention to our inner world to what lies beneath the surface to our emotions and it's helped help draw us our attention to that I hope So what about Jesus and all this? Well, Peter Scazzaro's book showed me that Jesus lived a life that taught us how to be fully human and how to integrate our inner world and our outer world into a healthy spiritual life. The life of Jesus showed us that experiencing the presence of God is about all of life. All of life. And... When we get curious about our inner life, our emotions, what lies beneath the surface, we give permission for the Holy Spirit to rewire us and reorder us, to bring shalom and to bring peace where there maybe is some chaos. Every fiber of our being becoming more and more like Christ. And so here we have Jesus in the Gospels teaching us how to be fully human, teaching us to pay attention to our emotions teaching us to pay attention to everything in life and indeed helping us to live into our true selves, to be who we really are. And so in this podcast series, that's what this series is all about, being human during lockdown. It's looking at different aspects of life below the surface. Um, It's looking at how we can have an emotionally healthy life, an emotionally healthy spirituality. It's paying attention to our emotions developing a relationship with Jesus, exploring contemplative practices that can lead to a life that doesn't feel split, that doesn't feel disconnected between what we do outside in our outer world and what's going on inside of us, but where we learn to pay attention to what's going on. So let me get into it today just very quickly. I want to talk about emotions specifically. I think there's many emotions that we're experiencing in this time you know, when we look at the news today, when we look at what is going on in, in Northern Ireland, in Ireland, in the UK, in Europe and around the world, you know, we are filled with tremendous sense of grief about the impact of the virus, whether it is illness and death directly or whether it is the consequences of living through a pandemic, the social distancing the loneliness, the isolation, the mental health problems, the impact on our economy. There is a tremendous emotion of, of, of grief, of fear, of sadness, of even anger, of confusion, all happening at once. And yet, if you're like me, so much of life at the minute is has also these little gifts of grace laced throughout them in the day there's a pace of life that's slower there's these stories of hope um there's these good news stories that we hear about there's communities that are coming together you know we're figuring out how to survive while being distant um the numbers are coming down we we will come through this but all of this is generating emotions in us I'm sure some of you here are parents and have kids. You're experiencing all sorts of emotions throughout the day. Um, I'm sure many of you here are wondering about the future in terms of your job. You're experiencing all kinds of emotions. There are three ways that we can deal with our emotions that I believe are an unhealthy way to deal with our emotions. There's that first idea which is detach. We can detach from our emotions. This is a kind of Eastern influenced idea. To rise above. Our emotions. To just let let it go. As the song would say. To detach. There's the second way to deal with emotion. Which is to deny. Um, that's a Western idea. To fake it. To fake it till we make it in a sense. To push and suppress our emotions down. To deny them. I think that's the one that I fell into um, growing up and we're really good at that in the church. We can deny what's really going on inside and we can cover that over with religious activity and religious language. Um, So that's the second one, to deny our emotions. The third one I think is to distract from our emotions and this is one that we can all relate to and maybe struggle with, particularly right now because emotions are overwhelming at times and there's nothing wrong with taking a break from that and we don't do well if we continually just constantly analyze our emotions but that can lead to a form of escapism at distracting ourselves and and that just completely ignores what's going on inside of us so that's the third idea so there's detach there's deny and there's distract distract Distracting ourselves is escapism. It's 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 drug and alcohol abuse. It's it's entertainment binging, Netflix binging. It's throwing ourselves in an unhealthy way into achievement-driven activity or work. It's all of that, and all of it is designed to help us escape suffering, just for a moment, to give us some respite from suffering. So there's detaching. There's denying, there's distracting. And um, I can relate to all of them in a way. But Jesus offers us a different a different way. And I want to just finish with a little reflection on the life of Jesus and how he dealt with emotions. Because he was an emotional human being. He was a human being. He walked this earth. And the story of the Gospels show us his example. He was the prototype human being. In Mark 6, we see that he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them, it says in verse 34. He was moved with compassion. In Luke 7, we see Jesus approach the town gate and there's a person being carried out who is the son of a mother, uh, a widow. And Jesus sees this widowed mother who's just lost her son. And it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. So here we have Christ not only being compassionate, but hugely empathetic. In Luke 10, we see Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So here he is, Jesus, full of joy, praising his Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Full of joy, full of deep, authentic joy in God that broke out into prayer and song. And yet Jesus is not always on this emotional high, but we see him in John 2, in the temple turning over the tables of the money changers and he says get out of here stop turning my father's house into a market so we see jesus experiencing anger um zeal, passion anger for god's house for the temple and for ultimately for righteousness for justice he was deeply disturbed by that the activities going on in the temple in john 11 we then see jesus at the graveside of his friend Lazarus, he's standing alongside Mary and Martha. And he's deeply moved in his spirit and troubled by the sadness and the disappointment and the grief. But he's deeply moved himself to the point of weeping. It says, Jesus wept. And so here we have, you know, Jesus experiencing all different kinds of emotions from compassion to empathy, to anger, to joy, to grief all of these different kinds of emotions there's none that draw attention more to this than in matthew 26 which is where i want to hang out for just a moment because well we we don't see jesus avoiding his emotions we don't see him detaching we don't see him denying we don't see him distracting himself from them we, we see in all of these gospel stories and particularly in matthew 26 we see jesus being open and honest with his emotions showing up to them indeed that is the very first thing i want to say about to the question how should we as followers of jesus respond to the emotions that we often feel following jesus example um I believe the first thing that we need to do is be honest. To be honest. To be honest with ourselves about how we're feeling. And to be honest with God about how we're feeling. You know, Jesus says this in Matthew 26. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's facing his own death. He knows what's ahead of him. And he says, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. He's completely honest. And he's so honest that he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to go to the cross. He he was expressing that desire in complete honesty to God before God in prayer. Prayer is a safe space that we can go to with our desires and our emotions. And this is an example that Jesus gives us. During this lockdown, I've um, I've spent time with people who have who've given me the gift of their honesty. I've 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 zoom called, video called, texted with, and connected with people who've lost loved ones, and they've been honest about the grief that they're experiencing, and the anger, and the isolation. I've I've sat and listened to people tell me about their businesses that are struggling, where there's fear around what the future might hold for those businesses. I've heard from people in tears speaking about the likelihood of their business going under. I've sat with people who've been ill with COVID and had the energy drained out of them and... Unable to do anything for themselves for two, three weeks at a time. Just feeling so demoralised, so down, so tired. I've sat with people who have struggled with the loneliness at this time. Living alone or just not being able to be with people and really, really missing them. I've spoken with people who've suffered their mental health and depression returning and the gift that they all brought to me and the thing that they did was follow christ's example of just being honest of sitting in the emotion and acknowledging it and recognizing it not to detach from it not to deny it not to distract themselves from it but to to get curious about it to be honest a few months ago, uh, I sat with a man who, who was deeply, deeply distressed um, because his marriage was coming to an end. He'd moved out of marital home and he wasn't getting to see his children during the week. He, it was restricted to weekends at that time and it was so very sad. Such a profound change that his life had happened and he was trying to come to terms with this. He was deeply distressed and thus disoriented and understandably so. The mature response there was not to quip, be positive, keep your head up, keep your chin up. It was not to say, Jesus will fix it, that Jesus is awesome, nothing's too big for him. That was not the, the mature response the scriptures and Jesus' example teach us that a, that a mature response is to face the emotion, to be honest about it, to be honest with it, to be honest with others about it, to be honest with God about it. This is what we see in, in Jesus' life when he comes to the Father and he says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. I believe in the in the mix of that kind of a prayer, The person that is suffering really gets to experience the presence of God in a profound way. The Psalms in scripture are a book, a collection of prayers and songs that are full of pain, full of emotion, full of anger, full of fear that is being processed out loud and openly with God. I realised a few years ago in my own story that God is big enough to handle our honesty. That those are the kind of prayers that are the most holy. They're the most important. They're the most sacred. When we're honest with God about how we feel. How we're doing inside. So that's the first... The first thing I can learn from Christ's example and from the scriptures. It's not to detach... Not to deny, not to distract, but to be honest. To be honest about how we feel. Matthew 26, Jesus goes on and and he, he not only is honest with God, but he then places his deep trust in God the Father. And he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There's a ruthless trust that we see here in the life of Christ. And he offers his trust, he gives his he trusts in God completely. You know, surrender is the place where our emotions start to get healthy. When we can surrender and be honest with how we are feeling before God, we can experience a great sense of God's peace in our lives he is with us and he invites us to place trust in him and put all these things that are causing the emotion in his hands to leave them with him. So as we try to navigate through pandemic social distancing and we deal with some very, very real circumstances and situations some very concrete problems That need to be sorted. Some questions that need to be answered. I want to encourage us as a people to. To realize that. An emotionally healthy person. Is a spiritually healthy person. That we cannot be emotionally immature. While remaining spiritually mature. It's not possible. But to be spiritually mature is to process our emotions. To be honest about them. And to be honest about them, not only with one another, but before God. Just as we finish, as we sit with all of this, I'd love to just lead us in a prayer that would reflect the kind of desire I believe we all have to live a whole and integrated life where our emotions don't rule or overwhelm us, but where we can be honest about them. And we can invite God into that space and see our inner world renewed and reordered as we process and get I'm honest with our emotions in prayer so maybe you want to join with me no matter where you are and I'm going to pray oh God I thank you for your grace and your mercy in my life if it were not for you I would not even be aware of you or my need for your transforming work beneath the surface of my life. Lord, give me the courage to be honest and to allow the Holy Spirit's power to invade all of who I am below the surface of my iceberg so that Jesus might be formed in me. Lord, help me during this time of pandemic and COVID and social distancing and uncertainty, help me to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is for me personally.